it kind of made me a bit more compassionate, I guess. Yeah. Which is really, really important. I think when you have pain or when you feel like you're suffering, like yeah. it doesn't take it away and it doesn't make it better, but it makes it more understandable. And I think if you can take an understanding approach to things, it's just, it just changes the way that you're going to react. And that's, that was like the epitome of, of the Vipassana for me. It was just changing my perception on things. And even though I am a victim in some ways, like just don't play the victim because it's not going to do you any favors. Hello, and welcome to The Journal with me, your host, Lucy Spicer. The Journal is your go-to podcast for deep and empowering conversations that also gives you the practical tools, knowledge, and motivation to transform your own life. Join me as my guests share with you the defining moments that turn their times of darkness into opportunities for growth. At the end of each episode, I'll be showing you how to find the lesson in someone else's story by giving you guided journaling prompts to help you change your own life. So for now, join me for our next guest entry into The Journal. I am so excited to bring you Natalia's first ever podcast interview. This is the first time you and her 2 million followers will hear her story of her healing journey and how it led her to finding her path. In this episode, she shares the events in her childhood that she previously found too hard to speak about and how a transformational trip led her to heal, change her relationship with herself and her outlook on life. Although it might feel like Natalia has known her purpose forever, she, like so many of us, felt lost, not knowing what career to choose, comparing herself to others and feeling expectation from others around her and what she should do. So I'm so excited to share with you the breakdowns and breakthroughs that has led her to her success today. And she even shares the tips and tricks she has used to go viral on social media. So if you're feeling lost in life and seeking inspiration for how you can turn this around, this episode is for you. So let's open Natalia's entry into the journal. Globetrotting personal chef turned social media sensation Natalia Rudin has truly become an icon in the food creator space. Her viral platforms with nearly 2 million followers is dedicated to sharing delicious, fun, accessible vegan recipes that you actually want to eat. Natalia, I am so excited and privileged for this to be your first podcast interview. As I read in your impressive bio, you now have a combined following of nearly 2 million on social media with your delicious, colorful vegan recipes. But I imagine that a lot of your followers are unaware of your story and how you've got to this point. And I'm so looking forward to unpacking your journey together in this episode. Welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Hi. Hi. <laughs> so let's go right to the start, as I always do in this podcast, mm. Natalia. Did you always know you wanted to become a chef? Um, it's hard to say, really. I don't think I, I knew what I wanted until it kind of became clear to me. I think I had a very confused, not confused. I, I mean, I went to, I went to school and I, I'd studied like I did English drama and German as A-levels and then I went to uni and did sociology, but I had no idea what my career was going to be. Right. Um, I always loved cooking. I was very, from a young age, I was really, really interested in it. On the weekends, I was always baking and like, uh, obviously it was always the Betty Crocker packages and yeah. like nothing too major, but eventually I got into experimenting with more stuff from scratch. Um, and yeah, cooking has always been a passion. It's always been something I'm really interested in. I love eating. I grew up with really, really foodie parents. My mum pretty much cooked everything from scratch for us as children. We were very lucky. 
And my dad was very, um, he just loved, loved eating out, like going to restaurants, traveling for food. Like if we ever went on holiday, the holiday would be based around the restaurants that were available. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's really into it. Which is very much how I live my life now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I wouldn't say that it was like, I came out the womb and I was like, I want to be a chef. It was yeah. very much just, I feel as though up until I was 24, 25, it was like a process of elimination. Interesting. Figuring out what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And learning from that. And then eventually it kind of just brought me here. And when you, so you said at uni you did sociology. So yeah. when you came out of uni, because sometimes that can be a difficult time, can't it? You go through school and you have to pick your GCSEs. You have to pick your A-levels. Mm. You pick your degree. And for some people, it can be a very clear trajectory in terms of what they go into. But I think a lot of us were then like right well what now what does yeah. my job look like now mm. what was that path for you coming out of uni well so actually I had that earlier because I finished school and I was like I don't really want to go to university right um and I had my mum being like you know you do you whatever makes you happy I'll support you and my dad was like you must go to university he's Russian so <laughs> uh, hence the accent um and my dad really wanted me to be a lawyer or something in like the financial world. And like, I was like, Han, I did not have the brain for that. Like, it's not going to happen. And I finished school. And so I was like, I'll just get a job and then I'll see what happens. Mm -hmm. uh, so my first job I got was working in Harrods. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. I was one of those girls that was like, try it. I will. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I did that for like six months. I ended up actually getting fired because I was too scruffy. <laughs> Harrods is a very intense place to work. Um, it's very, I mean, it was amazing. I got an amazing discount, which was just unreal. I yeah. mean, like the, the Christmas that I worked at Harrods, everyone did very well. <laughs> um, but it was just way too much maintenance. I mean, I had to have like perfect hair, a full face of makeup, okay. high heels. And that's just not really me, especially when I was 18, 19. That yeah. was like the last thing I wanted to do. But I like, it was my first major pay like paycheck and I remember when I first got paid I was like oh my have they have they made a mistake <laughs> I'm rich <laughs> um and I did that for a while and then I went traveling around South America with some friends and all of my friends were then talking about how they were going to uni and I was like shit like I'm really gonna miss out like mm -hmm. if I don't go so I really last minute applied like I'm talking like within like three days of applications closing I oh wow yeah I applied and I pulled sociology out of a hat like I just didn't know what to do I just knew I wanted to go um and I luckily got accepted to two unis amazing <laughs> even though I mean yeah it was just it was just very very sort of there was no thought behind it it mm. was just like actually I want to go and then I just did it and then I got in luckily and I ended up going to Manchester with all my friends and having a great time and did sociology for three years and that was great but it was I mean it was interesting obviously and I, I did actually enjoy the course and I came out of it with with like fairly decent marks but when I finished I was like again I don't really know it, yeah. was, it was just a time waster I know that sounds awful but mm. it was a time waster mm. and a money waster but mm. but it was so much fun and it was you know it's part of the experience shaped me to who I am now and after that I came out and again because I didn't know what I wanted to do I got a job in the pub yeah and I worked at the Labrick Arms, shout out, it's a great pub. Where's um, that? It's just behind Not like Holland Park, Notting Hill area. There you go, go there for your uh, Sunday roast. Exactly, they do actually do really good Sunday roasts. <laughs> um, and I worked there for about eight or nine months and just saved up and then I bought a one-way ticket to India. 
Right. Which was great. It was so much fun. Um, but I think at that time in my life, it was very, I think a lot of, I th it's hard to say, but I think I was very uninterested in doing something with my life because I was very, I felt like I wasn't, my head wasn't screwed on at all. Like okay. I just didn't feel, I was, I was happy enough. But yeah. I wasn't, I had a lot of things that I was kind of keeping at bay, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, and so it just, I never had like a traject a trajectory that I was like, this is, you know how some people are like, I'm going to be a lawyer, I'm yeah. going to be a doctor or I'm going to do this. And they have to do like X, Y, and Z to get to that stage. I was like, I finished uni. And actually a lot of my friends were the same. Like half of my friends studied history of art and they were like, yeah. now what? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Which I feel like a lot of people get after uni. Um, so yeah, I went to India. I just, I knew that I didn't want to get a job. I knew I wouldn't do well in an office job. And I think again, it was just kind of like wasting a little bit more time and subconsciously, I, it, I mean, it was the best decision because it really changed who I was as a person and how I dealt with things, mm. which was really important. And it gave me the realization that I wanted to cook and help people live sort of, more mindful lifestyles amazing yeah amazing so it sounds like India was a real like kind of ticket into yeah. your next chapter yeah. and you were saying there that you kind of not in the right headspace to maybe make those conscious decisions yeah. for yourself how was your mind during that time like how would you describe it um chaos <laughs> chaos okay uh no I mean it was yeah it was a little bit chaotic but so when I was 17, sort of just before I finished school, my parents got divorced and it's kind of a weird one because I always wanted them to get divorced. I know that sounds awful, but I never really had a very close relationship with my dad. And there were just a few things that I, I will never forget that he did. Mm. And, and I think for a really long time, I saw my mum. I had a lot of anger towards my family because I saw my mum dealing with this with all of these horrible situations and just kind of like taking it on the chin and moving on. And I was kind of like, this is so messed up. Mm. Like, it's just not like, if you, if this person loves you, they shouldn't treat you this way. Mm. And if you love them, like that's, that he should be so lucky basically. Um, but then the finals, like when I was 17, basically the final straw was, we found out that my dad has a whole other family and right. a son that's the same age as me I mean I say family I don't know how involved he is with them we'll never know because honesty is not the best policy with him but so it kind of it like threw me a little bit I I always wanted my mum to be happy and I've been really really loyal towards her and I still have like a basic relationship with my dad okay but it when you're 17 and you've got all your hormones raging and like you don't know where you're going in life it was just a bit of a mess and I think I used to rebel quite a lot and go out and drink and just be a bit stupid. I mean, never never to excess, I would say. I was always kind of in control uh, in one way or another, even though maybe from the outside it didn't seem that way. Um, but it was kind of, I just didn't really know what was going on. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it just made me angry towards everything. So I would just often do things out of spite. And like, my dad was like, oh, I want you to be a lawyer. So I was like, well, f you, I don't want to be a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah, of course you can. We just go <laughs> beep so that Apple doesn't censor um, us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so kind of, yeah, that's the headspace I was in was, even though I, 
I, I mean, I had a really, really privileged upbringing and I, I've, I've been, I'll, I'll be the first to recognize that. Like I had lovely friends. I went to a great school, went to great, on great holidays and stuff like that. But I always had that kind of in my head. It was just a lot of anger and sadness as well. Yeah, I think. yeah. I'm sure. I mean, I, I love with, with your language and of course it's your experience. You were kind of, I think you're, you used your words as almost like, you know, which affected me a little. Mm. When I'm listening to that, I'm like, wow that must have been a really big deal to suddenly find this out about your dad did you have your suspicions or did it just completely take you and mum out of the blue um it's hard to say I mean to be honest so when they got divorced I kind of just assumed my mum I remember I was in an English class and my mum texted me being like I need to talk to you and I was like I guessed and I was like oh are you getting a divorce mm. um and she was like she never answered and then she called me and they were getting a divorce so I guessed that because obviously it's just like a track history of bad stuff um I mean don't get me wrong there were good times as well but sometimes the bad outweighs the good um and then about six months later I was driving in the car to go see my aunt with my mum and I was like, we were just talking about my dad and I, she's always been a real advocate of, you know, just because we've split up doesn't mean that you can't have a relationship. Like she's been really, always spoken really highly of him and been a very, it's so funny, like post breakup, they were very much, like they haven't said a word to each other since mm. and they haven't seen each other since, but my mum's always spoken really, really highly of him. Um, yeah anyway and sh so I, I asked her in the car I was like what why did you actually like what was the final straw and then she kind of looked at me and I was like oh what have I got like another sibling or something oh wow <laughs> and she was like what <laughs> oh wow so I kind of guessed it um and yeah I mean I was really hurt obviously because you question everything and you think like my dad was always away as well with work like okay. he'd be at home for like two weeks and then he'd go away for a bit and then he'd come back and then he'd go away and and then it just, it makes you question everything. Cause then you're like, was he going to mm. be with them or, and then I like, I found out as well, this, his name's Alexander. Right. I've never met him. So shout out if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> imagine. Um, I've never met him and I don't hold any grudge towards him, but I just don't feel, it's just not something I want to do really. Like it makes me feel a bit anxious, like the idea of meeting him. So I don't really want to, but I know that his name's Alexander and he's like six months younger than me. Okay. So I was, and that I think was what hurt the most was that I was born and then he left to go and yeah. see another child that was born that was like an affair. But this poor kid as well had no idea about us. So it worked both ways? Yeah. Gosh, Natalia. I know, it's messed up. <laughs> And yeah. and with that, it sounded like during that time there was like two coping strategies. It was like either escapism, like mm. you said, through drinking yeah. or or partying, and we often see that escapism as like a way of numbing. Right? Is yeah. is being able to use those substance to actually just like escape our reality. <laughs> but you described as well kind of some of that anger around and anger towards your mum at that time mm. as well for kind of in your words, you know, putting up with it. Yeah. yeah. What did you then? Did you do? Did you kind of go to therapy? Did you work through that? Like, how have you got to a space now where you're able to speak about it with me? Yeah. Um, so I think a lot of the anger came from like, um, my mum was essentially showing me martyrdom. Like mm. she was showing me that a loving relationship means that you have to put up with all of this stuff. And she just took it on the chin. So I then just took it on the chin, if you see what I mean. And I just never really spoke about it with people. Like even some of my closest friends won't know this. Um, wow. Okay. I, I just don't feel 
I don't know. It's it's just like a block I have. I just don't. I love I love talking about. I and I'm open as well. This is the thing. But I find it really difficult to instigate conversations. So if I'm struggling with mm. something, unless you're like Nat, are you okay? I'm not gonna just be like I need to talk. Mm. Like I just find that really really difficult. I think it's like a I don't know. I just don't do that. Um, I went to therapy. I didn't like it. I had a terrible therapist. My first therapist was terrible. Um, she basically told me I had daddy issues on the first like go. Oh. And I was kind of like, I know I've got daddy issues, but you don't have to be so oh, rude about it. <laughs> um, and then I kind of came out of that and I was like, well, I'm never going to therapy again. And I've had like two or three therapists over the years. But again, it's just not, I'd rather speak to my friends. Mm -hmm. And also in my experience, all the therapists that I've had, I don't know how therapy is supposed to, I know that sometimes it's just like you're a sounding board and you're supposed to figure mm. things out by yourself, but I really need tools to work with. And I felt like I was never given tools. Like it was just kind of like, and why do you feel that way? And yes. what do you feel? And how yes. do you do this? And it kind of yes. made me feel like, I feel like I'm just getting more and more depressed. Yes, because <laughs> you're, you're kind of sitting yeah. in that problem. It's really interesting you say that, Natalia, and I think this is very much like our USP with the work that I do with my yeah. clients, but also Rachel is in my practice, is that, and there's absolutely a space for therapy, and that is not me dissing in any way, and that e exploratory kind of nature that you're describing absolutely has its space. But for me and my clients, and when clients have been in that space, what they've been drawn to with my work is very solution focused. I'm mm. like, here's tools, here's strategies. I'm going to help you understand why you're thinking that way, how to break the cycle and equip you with evidence-based strategies that actually work. Mm. So then as well, when we finished our time together, you can actually implement that for yourself and you know how to manage your mind. And I think like you said, kind of that, that exploratory questioning style yeah. can sometimes as you said, lower your mood because yeah. you're sitting in the problem. I would dread it. I would dread really? therapy because I'd be like, I'm just going to go chat shit for an hour and come out with my eyes like golf balls because I've cried so much. And it was just kind of like, I feel it felt, maybe I didn't stick at, at it long enough because like, if I'm being totally honest, I think I probably did like three or four sessions mm -hmm. per therapist. And mm -hmm. then I was kind of like, I'm done. <laughs> Um, and like you said, there's definitely a space for therapy and I have so many friends mm. and, and family members who really, really benefit from it. Mm. But for me, it's just never been the right thing. And I think, um, I think also, and actually this is so interesting. So I watched an episode of Ted Lasso last yes, night yes. and it's, I don't know if you've, did you watch Ted Lasso? Uh, me and my partner started it, but okay. we have a really bad habit of this of on Netflix as we, we, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was one of those, it fell into well, that category. So Ted Lasso get, they have uh, a therapist comes in to work with the team mm -hmm. and Ted Lasso really struggles to open up. And then he's like, he gets really drunk or something. And then basically is like, you know, you're only here cause you're getting paid for it mm. basically. And that's a lot how I felt. Like mm. I was like, you know, I'm just paying this person mm. an hourly rate, which is also, it's extortionately expensive. Mm. And I was like, you know, they don't care they're just getting money it's just a paycheck for them but then this happens in Ted Lasso and then the therapist is basically like okay but would you coach for free mm. and I was like whoa <laughs> light bulb moment I was like okay yeah because I wouldn't do what I do for free I love it yes but I wouldn't do it for free yes. because I need to live yes 
and it's a value exchange yeah, right yeah exactly so I thought that was quite interesting that it happened last night and I was like oh damn I don't know I, I would say Natalia and I actually ask everyone that comes to a discovery call with me and it's why people have a discovery call with me so before they decide to work with me we have like a 20 minute half an hour chat where they come to me they describe you know why mm. they've reached out what they'd like support with I share with them my method and how I can help and then share with them my packages and it's so interesting afterwards I, I speak to clients sometimes especially when they're at the end of their journey and I'm like what made you sign up and they're like it's a discovery call it's the mm. way that we connected mm. and a supervisor said this to me before she's a consultant clinical psychologist she was like you can have the same strategies as another coach or therapist if that person doesn't click with you mm-hmm. and you don't build that relationship they're not going to get the same yeah, results. So and true. and so, you know, you might have gone three or four, but if you haven't got that exactly. trust in them, if you haven't yeah. bought into them, if you haven't clicked, mm. it's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's true. I mean, before, I, so before university, I went to a couple therapists and it didn't work. And then after university, when I went to India, I kind of had this like massive turning point. Um, I think... I've always found it really easy to open up to strangers. Mm. And I don't know if that's, I've got some sort of like burden complex of like, I don't want to burden my friends with my problems. But if it's a stranger, I'll happily let loose. Mm -hmm. Uh, And in India, I was just meeting strangers every day. And in India, everyone wants to talk about their feelings. And, you know, it's all very like hippie and, you know, which was, it was amazing. It was exactly what I needed at the time. And I loved it. Um, But it forced me to kind of open up about my feelings. And there were four people that I met that really made a huge impact on me and my person just through conversation. Like it was never them physically or not, it was not, not physically. It was never them sort of having this, okay, I'm going to help her. It Mm -hmm. was just general like conversation flowing and stuff like that. And it just kind of, I think I spoke about things that I had never really spoken about before. And I don't know. It was, it's kind of, I think also because time had passed. Yes. And I'd gotten older and wiser. Yes. Um, but I'd just gotten to a place where I could say things without feeling that like pain. Wow. Yeah. And, and I don't know. I, I mean, yeah. I don't know. I honestly, it's, 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 I was eating really well. Yeah. I was outside all the time. Amazing. Like all the time. Yeah. I was walking like, 20,000 steps a day because I would just be exploring all the time and I was by myself a lot and I think that was also really helpful I've always been a bit of a lone ranger in the in in sense of like I recharge by myself Mm -hmm. like I love being Mm -hmm. alone it's Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things and I was alone a lot and then I'd have these really open conversations with people and then go home and be alone and like really think about everything and I did a silent meditation retreat Yes, I've done the longest I've done is a day. So yes. how long was how long was Ten yours? Days. Oh my yeah. gosh. Describe that to me. That so, is a lot of sitting in your inner monologue and feelings. It is. Um I did one that's called Vipassana. Okay. I don't know if you're yeah. No. So it's kind of co- it's very common in in India and Nepal and like Sri Lanka those parts of the world. I actually did I did mine in Nepal. Um and yeah you go in and you just hand in all of your technology books writing pens like you literally have nothing and um they wake you up at like the ass crack of dawn at like 6 a.m and you basically get sent into a dark room to meditate wow for like three hours or no two hours and then you get to have like breakfast where you're facing a wall so you like it's like a buffet kind of thing and you get your food and then you sit and face a wall and eat your food and then 
after that you have like a half an hour break and then you go in and do like another two hours of meditation and then it's like a half an hour break and then another hour of meditation and then you have lunch uh, again sitting facing mm. the wall eating your meal you'd wash up all of your own stuff and and then after that you basically meditate for the rest of the day and you don't eat again um which soul destroyed <laughs> <laughs> i was like i'm so hungry <laughs> no joking because you're not doing anything it's kind of fine um and yeah you're just you it's it's interesting like when i was there it took for the first like three or four days because you're actually sat on the floor in that cross-legged position. Yes. That is painful. Yes, it like, is. Like it hurts. Your back must it have gone, no? hurts. Yeah, I think, um, and like everyone around me was kind of just looked like they were doing completely fine. <laughs> I was like, this is so hard. And everyone looks so relaxed. Like what is going on? I'm missing something. But obviously no one's talking. Yeah. And at the end of every day you watch, um, oh, I can't remember his name now, but it's basically the guy who like created Vipassana and his wife. And mm. like he, you watch like an hour long video and he'll basically talk to you about, it's all pre-recorded, but he'll talk to you about your experiences that day and everything aligns, which is weird because it's kind of like he'll say like you know today you might have just been focusing on the pain in your legs and mm -hmm. then they teach they I don't want to ruin it for anyone in case they do it because it is really special and it's a it's a really amazing thing to do um but they basically kind of give you tools to work through things which is what which you is wanted literally <laughs> I was like girl um but yeah so and I think it was interesting. Like, I was there for like 10 days. And like during that whole 10 days, I was very, obviously you're going to observe other people. Mm. And a lot of people were experiencing like really, really strong emotional mm. responses to the meditation. And I was not. And I was like, maybe I'm doing it wrong or it's not happening. And then it was really weird. The day that I left, I went back to my guest house and I cried for like the whole day. Wow. Mm, the whole day. I called my mum and my mum was like, oh my God, do I need to get a flight out there? Like, are you okay? And I was like, I'm not okay. <laughs> but I just cried the whole day and then I just felt light as a, fe light as a feather the next, like, like moving on from it. And I think it was like, you just sit with all these emotions mm -hmm. and you sit with all these feelings. And I think, mm -hmm. I, think I've, I didn't really allow myself to feel things as strongly as maybe I should have done because I was taking the experience my mum had and living off that. And she would not let my dad, like, just not even just my dad like other things she wouldn't let them hurt her mm. but obviously she was hurting mm. inside and I think I just took on that role as well and I didn't let things hurt me and I was always like I'm fine it's cool like whatever I've got this to be grateful about you know there's wars and famine like I'm fine like yes and then I think in that 10 days I kind of just sat with everything and I was like wow I am not fine <laughs> yes but it's kind of, and I, I i'm also it's terrible but i do a lot of humor like it's like humorous defense so i will laugh a lot through this but i i think yeah i think i just allowed myself to feel the things that i didn't really let myself feel and in doing that it kind of just opened this space where i it changed my perception of like i used to be like my dad's a prick, like i hate him like x y and z and now i'm like well no because he had this upbringing and he grew up in communist Russia and he had like a dad that was in the army and was a like a general. And he had a mother who was a headmaster of the strictest school. And of course he acted that way. Yeah. So it kind of made me a bit more compassionate, I guess. Yeah. Which is really, really important. I think when you have pain or when you feel like you're suffering, like yeah. it doesn't take it away and it doesn't make it better, but it makes it more understandable. And I think if you can take 
an understanding approach to things, it's just, it just changes the way that you're going to react. And that's, that was like the epitome of, of the Vipassana for me. It was just changing my perception on things. And even though I am a victim in some ways, mm. like just don't play the victim because it's not going to do you any favors. Um, and then after that, it was kind of like came back and I was like, wow. I'm a new woman. I uh, bet you felt, it sounds like a huge yeah. healing process to you though, yeah, Natalia. Really and like cool. that crying afterwards was like that big release, yeah. you know? It's mm. crying we can sometimes like be afraid of and shy away from, but actually number one, it's our helping our body like regulate its nervous system mm. through crying and soothe mm. ourselves. And it's also that release. Mm. And it feels like you had such a wall around your emotions in that protective way in that way that was modeled to you by your mom and suddenly yeah. that was taken away and it was like whoosh this is where you know everything that i've been pushing down has come up to the surface i just wanted to pause the episode here to say if this is resonating with you and this sounds like we are speaking to you in this episode Remember, it's amazing if you get tools and strategies and a little bit of a boost after listening to these podcast episodes or doing the journal prompts or reading self-help books, but there is nothing quite like doing the one-to-one work and the magic that can happen from having someone in your corner, having a safe space to explore what you're going through, where these anxieties have come from, to have evidence-based strategies that actually work which changes the game for you. And so this is your invitation to take a breath, do something for yourself, reach out and book that discovery call to really help you turn your life around. So that healing, that transformation, like how different a person do you think you were coming back from India compared to going? Yeah, I mean, I was definitely, I think, so I did the Vipassana about... I can't remember exactly, but it was probably within two weeks of coming home. Okay. Um, it was like right at the end of my yeah. trip. I think I was like, just in case it goes horribly wrong. Yeah. <laughs> and I can go home and have like a hug from my mom. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think, I, I think like, obviously it, it wasn't an overnight change. Like there's, you still learn and you have to be put mm. in certain circumstances to then put those actions into practice. Mm. Um, but I just, I think... I think within six months of me coming home, I just dealt with things way differently. And I think because I've had that experience and I've learned to kind of just be open and a bit more com- like compassionate and understanding. And obviously don't get me wrong, like I still have those moments of like rage and anger like anyone does. Yeah. But, you know, maybe like an hour later, I'll be like, actually. <laughs> but I think that's one of the main reasons I still have a relationship with my dad now. And I think it's just taught me to be... I don't know. I d- it's, diff- it's difficult to say because I feel like we're ever, ever evolving and like always learning. And I d- sometimes I react to situations and I look back on it and I'm like, I'm really proud of how I handled that. And then I sometimes react to r- certain things and I'm like, probably could have been a bit yeah. better in that situation. So yeah. I definitely was different. And I came back with a huge focus of what I wanted to do. Like I knew I wanted to help people because I felt such a strong. So before going to India, I'd never really eaten Indian food. Okay. Which is so wild. Yeah. Because it's like quite a strong cuisine. Yeah. Um, but my mum, my mum used to do lots of like Italian and quite Austrian food as well. Because we mm. used to live in Vienna. Oh, beautiful. When I was really young. And she spent a lot of time in Vienna growing up. Um, 
And so she was always doing like Wiener schnitzel and like spaghetti bolognese and stuff like that. Um, so it was always Italian food and my dad loved Italy. The son is from Italy. Yeah. The one that he had the, yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. So he loved Italy and France and like Austria and stuff like that. So it was very European and that was very much my, like I had like blinders on for like European cuisine. Yeah. And then going to India, I learned like, I was like introduced to like lentils and turmeric yeah. and cumin and all of that. And I was like, whoa, this is amazing. Like the flavor bombs and stuff like that. And I think I did, I was never, I was a massive carnival before going. Like I've never, I would never, if I used to be like, ugh, vegan, gross. Like literally, <laughs> I remember I dated a guy and he was vegan and I was like, this is not gonna last. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I went to India. They don't, well, I said this recently on Instagram. I was like, they don't really eat meat there. But then I got a lot of hate, not hate, but people were like, actually they do eat quite a lot of meat. So I'll clarify, I was traveling in very rural areas. I mm. wasn't in like big cities. Mm. So it was a lot of vegetarian, like veg focused food. Um, so naturally meat just kind of departed from my diet. And then um, I came home and I like found this new love for vegetables. And I came home and my mom took me out for dinner and as like a celebratory, like your home. And I was like, oh, I don't think I can eat meat. Like, I just feel like it's like yeah. a mental block. Um, so I was like, oh, I'll just be vegetarian. Like, that's fine, I'm happy with it. And I was just like smashing through eggs and stuff like that, like as you do. And then a year later I went vegan, but I basically learned this whole new way of eating and living. And I was doing like yoga every day and I was meditating and, and eating well. I don't do yoga or meditate anymore as well. Like that dropped off a while back, but I still eat really well <laughs> most of the time. Um, and it made me feel so good and paired with all of the sort of mental stuff that I was doing. It just, I just felt really, really good. And I felt really good in my skin and really good. Just, I was happy and I felt really content and I didn't feel like I was constantly bubbling with anxiety and stuff like that. So I was like, I want to do this and try and help people. And I came back and I was like, I don't know what to do. And my mum was like, well, let's think about it. And she's always been really, really great. Like she's like the most supportive person ever. Um, and we just threw a few ideas around and and then like, yeah, it was like, okay, personal chef, fine. We could do that. I could do that. Yeah. And I knew someone who really wanted to lose weight. And I was like, I can definitely help you do that. Like I've exercised pretty much, well, not my whole life, but I was been really sporty and I was like a proper gym gal for like seven years. Um, and I was like, yeah, just give me a chance, please. And mm. I remember my first job, I was earning 250 pound a week. And when I, I remember like doing it and then calculating with the out, the amount of hours I was doing, it was like less than like four pounds yeah, an I hour. Bet. And I was like, wow, gotta do it though. <laughs> uh, but it got my foot in the door, you know? Exactly, like, you have to start, you, you know? I think sometimes you can really set your sights high, you, you miss out mm. on opportunities. Sure, yeah. You got to be prepared to graft. I worked in both hospitals for free for a year on yeah. honorary contracts yeah. and they took me on and then I worked in two of the best hospitals exactly. arguably in the world. Yeah. So, you know, it's great that you did that and mm. actually you persevered mm. and you could kind of see that bigger mm. picture for yourself. Yeah. Was that one of your first experiences then of having like a job that felt... Aligned. Yeah, yeah, that's a nice word. Yeah, yeah aligned. <laughs> I'll take your job. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, yeah, it was. It was. A, it was kind of. I loved my job at the pub. Like I loved speaking to people, and like I had such a great rapport with all of the people I worked with. And then you know, when you work in a pub, you have locals who come in like day and day and day out. Yeah, and it was wonderful, and I really enjoyed that job. Um, but this was when I finished the five, I, I signed on with five weeks for this first lady that I did um, as a personal chef. 
And after the five weeks, when we hit all of the goals, I was like, mm. wow, that feeling of like, I've nailed it. Like she's so happy and I felt so fulfilled. And I was like, oh my God, I just need to do this forever. Amazing. Um, so yeah, it was the first time I really felt like I'm, I'm where I need to be right now. And like, this is, this is it. This is me. So how did you build from there? So you had your first client, yeah. you smashed the goals, got her mm. to where she wanted to be. Mm. You were feeling great. She was feeling great. How did you build from that? Um, so from there, I was like, so from there, that was in September. And then I had another client in October and then it was Christmas and I didn't work for like a month because why not? <laughs> I mean, I, did, I couldn't get work. That's mm. how it was basically. And then in the January, I flew back to India and did a yoga teacher training. Ah. Got my 200 hours. Cause I was like, I need to make, I, I, I knew personal chefing was a thing, but I was like, I want it to be different. I want it to be really interesting. And Amazing. Like, my USP was that I was gonna bring like a retreat to you. So I, I cool. said, I need to get the yoga teacher training so that I can train people. Yep. And then I did a diploma as a health and nutrition coach as well so that I could look at like more holistically and actually give people like properly sound advice on their diet rather Amazing. than being like, I think if you eat salad, you'll be fine. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was like, if I want to grow, I need to grow my knowledge. Yeah. You know, like yeah, an, any job you do. So I did that over the course of like the next year. Um, and then it kind of, I was there were a lot of lulls in the first year. I think I worked, I did the January, I did the yoga teacher training. And then February I had my, another client in the UK who I absolutely loved and she was amazing. And whilst I was with her, I signed on to do the diploma and I was doing that kind of like as in when I had the time. And then in the June of that year, I got my first client in the Bahamas from wow. through like word of mouth. And all of my clients have been word of mouth, um, which has been amazing. And oh my God, I was like, I've made it. I'm going yeah. to the Bahamas. This yeah. is epic. Like, yeah. It was really, really cool. I was like at, literally at the back of the plane in economy. I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, um, and then where I worked in the Bahamas is kind of like, it's called Albany. And okay. it's like this closed, um, really luxury resort that has like a hotel service. It has like an amazing gym, state of the art, like it's beautiful. And there's a lot of homeowners there, like right. houses on the yeah. beach or houses on the golf course and then like big apartments. And it's a close, it's very much a closed community. Um, and luckily I worked there with one client and then networked a little bit and just started working with more and more and more. And I was going back like two, three times a year. Wow. Um, and I, I did a lot of, I'd say majority of my jobs overall were in the Bahamas. Um, and that was just really, it was amazing. And also what was really amazing about the work that I was doing was I was getting to, so two things that were really amazing. One was that I'm a nosy parker. So I love looking at people's houses <laughs> and ideal tick. job, literally yeah, going to like these amazing <laughs> houses and just being able to snoop, not snoop, but like MTV Cribs might have been literally. actually a separate dream job. Just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> so that was like the, the biggest plus. And then, um, but also like I worked mostly with women Okay. Because just because I didn't want to move in with them. Like, I know that sounds awful, but it was just, it's just like a safety thing for me. I didn't want to move in with a man. And yeah. it's a very intimate experience. You're literally feeding them three times a day, living with them yeah. and training them, which yeah. is, you know, close and personal. Yeah. Um, so I said like married couples or women, I don't think I would do a man on my own. Just cause, um, but I was working with incredible people, like people who are CEOs, 
business entrepreneurs mm. or, or like parts cogs in like huge major companies and it was just the most valuable time to be alongside them day and night for five weeks and just learning how they handle certain situations, yeah. how they treat staff, how they treat people like, and just, you know, you can see these people are making a lot of money and they're still super kind and they treat everyone like they're on the same level. And I just, it was just invaluable, uh, in, an invaluable experience. And I also became really good friends with a lot of them, like that I'm still really good friends with now. And that's also lovely. Like they, some of them would just be like, let's go out for dinner on the weekends and stuff like that. Like just really, really kind, wonderful people. And if I had questions about the way I needed to run my business, they were more than happy to help me. And like, sometimes they'd be like, you know, you're charging way too little. Like, really? Book yourself on a first class flight. Like, come on, like we're paying for it. Like you should do these things. Wow. Like, you're worth it. And it gave me that confidence to kind of be like, okay, maybe I should be charging a bit more. And, you know, I've been doing this for so long now and now I've got these things to show for myself, yeah. like the diploma yeah. and the hours. Yeah. And, you know, I'm increasing my value. Um, so that was, it was just like, yeah, it was just a win-win situation, like having an amazing time working with amazing clients and also just learning so much on the job. It so. sounds incredible. And it's so amazing when you have that transaction, like mm. you're giving so much value and they're taking so much value from you, but yeah. also you're getting so much yeah, back. back. Yeah. Why didn't it continue? Because it sounds like a dream. What happened? Oh. <laughs> you're in the Bahamas, you're in this community, you're in these beautiful houses. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. I loved my job so much. Like, honestly, it was such a dream. And doing, I did it for five years or six years, six years. And I know that's not very long, but by the end of it, I was, because I was working, I wasn't one person's private chef. I was many people's private chef. At one time, were you, how no, were you no, managing no. that? Only so one at one time. One at one time. But it would be like, I'd do six weeks here and then six weeks there and then a month there and then six weeks there. So I was always moving around. And like always abroad. Mostly abroad. Yeah. yeah. And for if six it years? Was for six years. Yeah. yeah it's a lot. That is a it lot. It is a lot. And like, I loved it. I got to see parts of the world I probably never would have seen and experienced some things that like I once got invited sorry this is a bit of a brag but I'm no go like, let's flex it was amazing let's flex. I, I got invited to a private island like once where and I didn't have to work like I was just there like I got unbelievable perks but anyway that was like such a such a flex I'm really sorry <laughs> <laughs> um but and, and I really loved it and I loved all the people I was working with but then like in sort of October 2022 I started I had really bad acne and my period was really irregular. Like my, mm. I always would say to Cameron, my partner, I'd always be like, you know, it's so my body feels so out of sync with itself. Like I would get like PMS symptoms for like three weeks before I'd even get my period. And then it would sometimes never come or be late or like whatever. And it just felt like everything was out of sync. And then I started getting very, very badly disorientated. So I'd wake up in the middle of the night and like genuinely have no clue where I was. Um, and sometimes I'd like wake up next to Cameron and be like, is that my client? Like, what is going? Like, really? Like, and like, gen like, fr freaky stuff like that. Um, and I think because it's like different time zones, and th and then also my social life was just down the drain. Like, yeah. I was never seeing any of my friends. I was always working really hard when I was away, and then I'd come home. I'd be so tired. I didn't want to go out. And then also I was doing Instagram on the side, so I'd come home and like smash through Instagram stuff, and then so that I could then post regularly. Um, so it was just it was a lot. I mean, I, I wasn't strong enough to kind of take all of that on for such a long period of time. And then I I decided to work with one client in the UK 
and I signed on with them to be their full-time employee. Um, and it only really lasted three months. We weren't very well aligned mm -hmm. in terms of what they were expecting from me and what I was prepared to give. Uh, so I quit. Mm -hmm. um, and then luckily at the same time, my Instagram had started to grow. Uh, although when I quit, I actually hadn't made any money yet. And it was a bit of a, it was a gamble, but it wasn't a gamble. I knew I had some amazing people in my corner. My agents were like phenomenal um, and made me feel really safe in making that transition. And they said like, you know, you shouldn't be having to go through this. We've got your back. If you leave, we will make this happen. And they made it happen. They were amazing. So I kind of just transitioned naturally to stop working as a personal chef for that client. And then because Instagram was going so well, it felt like... Yeah you know, I suddenly I had my weekends back and I was walking my dog and I was spending time with my family and Cameron and seeing my friends. And I was like, why, why would I change that? Like it's working for me now. And I feel like my skin is like almost clear. I mean, I did go on Rakutane, so that's a bit of like a cheat, but I, it's remained clear and I've got a very regular period for everyone that wants to know. <laughs> um, we were dying to know. <laughs> and no, but it's just like my whole body just feels like it's gone back into sync with this. And like, I always had, I was never a big girl, but I was very muscular, but I had like, I just, I feel like I had stress weight. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like I know I had exactly like, what yeah. you mean. And now I weigh like almost like, I don't know, I don't really weigh myself, but I'm, I'm, I'm like much, much smaller than I used to be. And I've stopped working out as much. Mm -hmm. I used to work out like a crazy person. Like I'd wake up at like four or five in the morning, do a hit workout on an empty stomach with coffee, which is terrible for like cortisol levels. And then I'd go to work and basically be on my feet all day. I would never really sit down and eat a proper meal because I was always working and tasting food. And then by the time dinner comes around, you're like, I don't want to eat anything like I've eaten all day. And I think just that kind of routine wasn't very good. And like, I was like doing like heavy weight hit workouts and I would never give my body a rest. And then now I basically just walk my dog. I go to the gym maybe once a week and do a bit of weight training just to you know, keep things going. And I've like lost loads of weight. And it's weird. I always struggled with body image. Um, I think, I think growing up in, around that era of like Perez Hilton and like yeah. Paris Hilton, Nicole Richie, and everyone was like super thin and it just made me want to be super thin. And I didn't, I felt like I didn't have that physique naturally. And I would like starve myself and then just like binge eat on the weekends, basically just like not a great relationship with food. And now I eat what I want. I barely work out. I do, I, I, I move every day. I'm walking all the time. Um, and like, I, I feel, and I look as like, I'm really happy with the way that I feel right now. So that's been like, it just feels like since taking that step back from being a personal chef, I've been able to kind of just fall into my natural I don't know what that is. Rhythm, but like rhythm, your flow. I go. mean, rhythm. the body speaks so loudly yeah. to us, doesn't it? And like you said, you even if you weren't having that conscious thought that maybe this is too much or that I should quit, like it sounds like your body was literally like screaming to you mm. in terms of those symptoms, like the sleep and feeling disorientated, the acne that you were describing, yeah. you know, maybe that bloating and that inflammation. Yeah. And, you know, stress can really manifest itself Massive. in that way. And as soon as you took that step back, it feels like everything just kind of yeah. fell into place. And that's that yeah. whisper, isn't it? That you're doing yeah. the right thing and that you were kind of pushing yourself potentially far too hard. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I feel like everyone has to grind at some point, yeah. you know? I feel... I feel like in terms of what I was actually doing, my grind was very enjoyable. Um, but yeah, it's definitely like, 
like you said, it's like hindsight is a beautiful thing. Like now I'm like, wow, I was crazy. <laughs> I did it. Yeah. But, but I, was I was crazy. crazy. <laughs> so you started your Instagram, um, Natalia, and I'm sure, you know, I'm really curious from a space of Instagram being so much part of my business, but I'm sure there's so many listeners that have either got a business on Instagram or kind of thinking and TikTok or, mm. you know, on anywhere on socials and trying to build their platform. How did you grow from there to now like a combined reach of over 1.9 million? What are your tips and tricks? We need to know um god it's honestly I wish I could I feel like Instagram and just the internet in general is such a capricious space like you just don't know if you're up or down and just roll with it but I would say one thing that I noticed really was like made a huge difference for me was around that October 22 time when I was like thinking like having all of these like bodily experiences and being like maybe I need to make a change in my life I was like I'm gonna post three times a week on the same day at the same time and I'm just going to see how that goes and so I did that and I started that in October posting on a Sunday a Tuesday and a Thursday on a Tuesday and a Thursday 6 p.m on a Sunday at 12 30 p.m yeah um and in January my first ever reel went viral but this is where I struggle because people always ask me for advice on how to like make stuff go viral. My first reel that went viral and actually a lot of my reels that have gone viral since have been ones that I'm really disappointed with. Really? Yeah. Like I'm not even joking. It's such a wind up because <laughs> I will work so hard on a reel and I'll be like, this is amazing. This is going to get so much reach. And then it will literally bomb. And then I'll post something and be like, I'm really not happy with that. And it will literally get millions of views. And I'm just like, I don't understand like I put so much I mean obviously you put so much effort into all of them like even if you're not happy with it a lot of effort has gone in but it's just like the algorithm is such a strange place but I think I think it's it's easy to be like don't let it affect you when things don't go wrong but obviously I'm in a good place now with the in, with with the Instagram. That's very very millennial. The gram of the Insta. With the gram of the Insta. Um, with Instagram. Um, so it's yeah. kind of easy to sit back and be like, just don't let it get you down when things don't go well. But like, it took me five like five years of like I wasn't super consistent with posting and. I didn't jump on trends as quickly as I should have done. Like when reels came about, I was mm. like, oh, this won't last, it's fine. And then like everyone blew up and I was like, I should have I should have just jumped on it. And I didn't start posting reels till almost a year later. Um, so like when things like that happen, I think just go with the flow. If Instagram puts out new tools to use, use them. Because yes. I think that's what they'll push. They'll yes. push the people who are using the tools that they want to be used. Yes. Um, and just build a community as well and like really take enjoyment out of it. Like I really, really, really love making recipes and I've learned to love the editing side of it. At the first I hated it because I opened Premiere Pro because I was like, that's what everyone's using. And all of the toggles and everything, I like had a panic attack. I was like, I don't know how to do this. And then I was on YouTube and I was doing like, trying to figure everything out. And it I think the first time I edited a video on Premiere Pro, it took me four and a half hours yeah. to edit a 30 second yeah. clip. Yeah, I've been there. Yeah. I mean, if Aurelia's listening, right? she's like, yeah, she gets yeah. that. That's why I uh, delegate. Hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Damn, why didn't I do that? Um, but yeah, I mean, over time, practice makes better. Now I can edit, I can put a, re a 30 second reel together probably in like just under half an hour, maybe if I'm having a good day. But it's just learning your craft and then also figuring out what's what works. Like I've learned that 
you know, if I shoot right by my window, I get better light. And if I shoot on my table, because usually by the time I'm doing my final shots, it's like two, 3 p.m. The light's a little bit better when the food is raised. And just learning things like that and investing in materials. Like I've got two tripods that I couldn't do anything without. I've got one of those plug-in like hot plates that I just move around the kitchen whenever I need it to be moved Great. around. And like really invest in good stuff. Like I remember the first tripod I invested in, my camera fell into a soup. And I was like, great, <laughs> good. And then I bought one that was more expensive afterwards and I've had it ever since. So it's kind of like, you know, pay now and don't pay. I don't know what yeah, that's saying Yeah, I know is. what you're going you know, with. The, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, I think that's quite important. And then, um, yeah, building a community as well, because that's going to bring you enjoyment. Like I love my community. I love speaking I feel, yeah. to everyone. Like it just makes me so happy when people send me pictures of the recipes that they've made and we have little conversations and then they will send me their favorite sauces that they love using or like what their, their favorite like coffee spot in a certain place. And they'll be like, we think you'd really like it. And I love that. Like, that gives me so much joy. And I, my mum and my stepdad, I recently went on holiday with them and they were like, you've literally like always on your phone answering these people. And I was like, well, they're like, they're the reason I'm like here. Like I'm, that's the least I can do. And I just, it genuinely just brings me joy. Like I really just like having that communication with everyone. And I do think that has a part to play in my success because it's like, I mean, <laughs> you see some people who really don't communicate with their audience and then later down the line when they try and do something it's not going to be as well received there's an example of that flying around at the moment okay but I'm not gonna say it but you might know what I'm talking about and I just yeah I think I think just invest proper time into it and just don't go out on a whim but also be really consistent and I know that's really hard because then you have to churn out all of the ins like all of the content um but yeah I don't know I'm still learning, so. It is a learning, isn't it? Yeah. It's all learning. Do you, are you still, um, how long did you maintain that consistency for in terms of that oh, schedule? I missed it. I love that so yeah. much. Wait, how many years are we in now and you it haven't missed that? It kills me. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You've it never is, missed it. No, I've posted three times a week since October 22. Incredible. Mm. We're nearly hitting that two year mark. Mm. Uh, with that promise to yourself, have you made any other promises to yourself in your business? Yes, so you promised I your consistency. Have. What are your other promises? What's like your 2024 promises? 2024 year of the YouTube. Okay. Yes, sir. So follow me on YouTube if you don't already or subscribe. Link even. will be in the show notes. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like, so as I was saying before, the internet and the algorithm and stuff is so capricious that, I could drop off at any time or get canceled, God forbid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, these things can happen really easily and genuinely overnight. And so I think having myself spread across certain, like a few different platforms is always gonna give you a bit of a safety net. Uh, YouTube is also really exciting because I can just be a bit more me. And like, even though I'm very much myself on Instagram, it's just recipes. And like, you get a snippet of my life in stories, but not that often. Whereas on YouTube, like I've only put like three videos out, <laughs> but it's just been really fun. Like just Great. talking and, and I feel like you're gonna build even more of a connection with your, fo like your, your followers or your community. And you might get a different community, which is also really exciting. And even though I am like 90% food, I have a lot of other interests. Like I love interior design, hence why I loved looking around people's houses. I'm really into fashion and travel and stuff like that. And also like just general exploration and stuff. And I just want to be able to share that side a little bit more um, and see what comes of it, you know? 
I think that's so exciting. Mm, so Where, that's how do you want to use YouTube? What sort of videos do you want to put up there? Are you going to be a vlogger? Like, what are we going to see from you? Well, a bit S of everything. Sell it to me, Natalia. Oh, God. <laughs> a bit of everything, really. I mean, there's going to be some long form. It's mostly going to be long form, I think. Um, because I do short form on Instagram and TikTok, it feels like you don't need another short form nat, like, on another platform. Like, whatever. Um, so it's going to be mostly long form stuff travel vlogs just general updates like talking about my favorite products or my favorite sort of kitchenware um you know being able to just because in 30 seconds you don't really have that long to say what you're passionate about and in instagram like i can talk about why i like a certain ingredient so much and how i would use it and how i would store it and then you know if i can't get my hands on this one which one i would go for after that so i just feel like you can a lot of people are on Instagram because they want the quick, I just want a quick idea for dinner and then I'm done. Whereas yeah. people on YouTube, they probably want to learn a little bit more. And, you know, I'm not saying I've got loads to teach, but like, because I'm, I've had so much experience with food, I might know more than your bog standard Mary knows, who's just, you know, buying Sorry, super Mary. noodles. Yeah. Sorry, Mary. <laughs> I didn't want to say Karen. I feel like Karen <laughs> Karen's a lot of really shit. <laughs> I said Mary either but anyway we're here now um, so yeah I just you know I go to Instagram to, I go to YouTube to learn like yeah I learned about Premiere Pro on on YouTube like I didn't know how to to navigate that editing software until I used YouTube and I would love for people to come and learn a little bit more about food. I don't know. And about know. you, yeah. you know, it was so wonderful just even watching your introductory mm. video. And it was, a, you know, a lot of the inspiration for this podcast came from that. And I think, like you said, it's so lovely to know the person behind the content that yeah. you're consuming. I'm a massive YouTube addict. I have Are been, you? yeah, oh. for years because of that. I'm, I'm nosy. I, I want yeah. to, I find something incredibly cathartic around watching other people mm. have experiences that I might never experience mm. or just live their daily life. Like nothing relaxes me more than like watching someone declutter. Oh, oh. stunning. Like cleaning my brain. It's stunning. It is so good. So please isn't it? do one of those. I will. Don't just worry. for me. I will. <laughs> if I'm anything. about to get my kitchen renoed, so best believe I'll be doing all the organizing. Everything will be filmed. Bring it. Everything will be Bring filmed. Bring it. Do you compare to that feeling of feeling lost? Do you now really feel like you've got your path? Is yeah. this still great? Massively. Like I feel really like I was just saying, really f***ing grateful. Like I get to wake up and do my dream job every day it's amazing and I get to meet amazing people like yourself and have you. amazing people backing me in my corner like my agent James at Good City and like my other things that I actually cannot say right now but <laughs> I just I feel like I have such an amazing support system and I'm just so grateful for where I am and yeah it's just I mean it, it is mental like if you okay if I had said this is where I'd be to myself when I was 17 I'd be like no I don't believe it like it's just, this doesn't happen to everyone. You know, it's a lucky place to be and I'm really grateful for it. And I just love that you are. I love that you're so grateful. You're staying so humble. The journal prompts from today's episode are all around going from feeling lost to finding your path. So to start with, what resonated with you from Natalia's story? When do you feel most like yourself? What are the most important values to you? Where do you feel out of alignment in your life? What drains your energy? What gives you energy? What does living your purpose mean to you? If you were living your dream life, what would it look like? Describe a day. 
and how can you take a step closer towards that dream life. As always, the journal prompts will be in the show notes and you can download them from my website. It's been so wonderful to have you in this space, on this podcast, sharing your journey, as I said, in a way that people, especially your followers in your community, might not have heard before. Mm. How was your first experience of being on a podcast? Oh my God. <laughs> so you did nervous. it. <laughs> no, it's been lovely. I mean, I just hope it's, I, I just hope it's, I don't know, insightful. Hugely, Natalia. Thank you so much for coming on. I can't wait to share this. I can't wait to follow you on YouTube. And as I said, it's been a real honor and a privilege. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Namaste. (laughs) You've been listening to The Journal with me, Lucy Spicer. I really hope you enjoyed today's conversation and that you feel uplifted and inspired to create change in your own life please take a second to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast and share it with someone who you think needs to hear this story. To find today's guest and to download the journal prompts, visit the links in the show notes. And to learn more about the Lucy Spicer practice and how to work with me and my team, go to lucyspicer.com. For advice and a daily dose of motivation, find me over on Instagram at lucyspicer underscore. Thank you so much for listening and I'll meet you back here for the next episode.